It would be impossible for me to delve into everything about stress in this episode. However, we're going to talk about it more in an umbrella to help you understand a little bit more about what's going on in your life when you do feel stressed. Kia ora whanau. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Just a quick note, the audio quality of our first three episodes back isn't amazing. I had a mic issue recording those episodes. It has been fixed, so episodes going forward will be much better audio quality. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the Pocket Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Kieran Headley. This podcast is focused on giving you the tools, techniques, and practices to decrease overthinking, overwhelm, and to find more peace in a more established way, and sustainable way, of course. And this is, of course, based on both science-based practices, but also as well experiential-based implementations, and I'm going to be sharing those with you. So with that being said, today's focus is stress. Why do we stress? If you saw that in the title, right, and you're like, oh, well, you know, I might as well give us a little listen and see if this guy knows what he's talking about. Well, I'll just go ahead and say it. I, I kind of don't. <laughs> um, I know from my experience, and... Uh, that experience is going from a place of stress to a place of more peace um, in a more sustainable way. And that's what I can speak from. Um, when I say I don't know what I'm talking about, I say that in, in a respectful way toward myself, meaning I know what I know so far, but also I have so much more to know. There is so much more to learn about this concept of stress, which is why I say I don't know, because it means that I can stay, stay open and remain open to learning more and remaining more as a student rather than as a quote-unquote master um, where I cap my learning potential and that's not what I wish to do. So uh, we are back here again in Bari, Italy um, in my current uh, living town, uh, the town that I'm living in. Uh, and there are various forms of stress. Okay, um, The main two points, if we were to narrow it down to two main umbrellas of stress, the first would be physical stress and the second would be mental stress. Now mental uh, also ties into emotional, but that comes from the mental factor, which we'll speak on. Um, because it, at the end of the day, if we talk mental, we're also we're talking about the entire nervous system. When we say nervous system, nervous system is an umbrella word for brain as well as the electrical signals that fire through our body, okay, and through the nervous system as we know it, the central nervous system. So when we say nervous system, we embody all of that, and that embodies the mental and the emotional aspects of stress. Uh, when we say physical, yes, we also tie that to, to those points because stress is occurring neurologically. Uh, however, that's coming through a factor of the physicality of things. So we'll speak more on those things, um, on those umbrellas, and we'll speak more about how we can reduce overall stress because not all stress is bad. In fact, we require stress in order to even function in our day, in order to be able to live. You need stress. So without stress, you wouldn't be alive. <laughs> and that's not a good thing, right? So, what is stress? If we were to boil it down to a singular word, a lot of people would think cortisol. Okay, cortisol is our stress hormone. Now, we also have other hormonal responses that occur from stressful occurrences, such as adrenaline responses and noradrenaline, or in other words, ep um, norepinephrine responses okay norepinephrine noradrenaline it's the same thing it's just another way of saying it and adrenaline and epinephrine is the same thing it's just another way of saying it normally it refers more so to i believe brain and body so from my understanding uh, i believe adrenaline noradrenaline is more referring to body epinephrine norepinephrine is more referring to brain um, when it's produced in the brain we've got adrenal glands in the body and then we've also we can also secrete adrenaline through our brain stem 
uh, which is, of course, in the brain, right? And cortisol being hormonal, meaning it's produced in the body. Um, now, adrenaline and norepinephrine is both hormonal and a neurotransmitter, meaning it can be produced in the brain and the body. Excuse me if I'm talking too fast. That's probably stress. <laughs> and again, we'll speak about what I mean by that in a second. Now, this creates an experience of tension in the body. We then react to that tension because it doesn't feel good. We refer to this as stress. So when you feel this sort of tension and you, or this sort of icky feeling in your body, you don't like that feeling. You want to do everything you can to get rid of that feeling, but the world isn't letting you to do those things. You will, you will experience this thing that we call stress. Now, if you're experiencing this thing we call stress and all of a sudden you can get things to operate in the way that you need them to, right, and all of a sudden the world just agrees with you and for some reason everything falls into place, you will feel this thing we call relief, which is that relief of stress or the easing of that stress. So in other words, the easing of the tension in the body, in other words, the decreasing of these hormones and neurotransmitters in terms of activity in the brain and body, they become less. So when they're more, you feel more stressed. When they're less, you feel less stressed. Very straightforward. Now, when, you, when they're too low, you feel very fatigued, tired, you don't feel like moving, you feel very lethargic. That is a low form of stress. However, you can also be experiencing this and then be not liking the fact that you feel a lack of energy and you get stressed about that lack of energy. This is then what we can call mental stress. All right, now, physical stress might be where you overtrain, and this is something that I'm a king of. I've done this various times in my life. <laughs> pushed myself too hard, too much, and I've overtrained. And I've pushed myself to the extent where my body um, wants to produce less stress because it's been producing too much stress. So it wants to find an opportunity to rest, so it decreases the amount of stress it's producing. I feel a low level of energy. That's what we can call physical stress. So these are the different ways that stress can operate. The moment you wake up, you will be producing cortisol, that stress hormone. This will help you to get from a place of sleepiness to wakefulness to moving out of your bed and getting started with your day. Uh, early In the earliest hours of your morning is when stress hormone is going to be the highest that it will be the entire day, unless you have some catastrophic, catastrophic event later in the day. Even if you experience a lot of stress later in the day, it is very rare that it's actually going to be higher than what it, what it, than what it was in the morning based on your circadian cycle, which means your 24-hour cycle, which is basically your body clock, okay? So you understand that stress also has a rhythm. So you've got this production of stress that occurs based on events and based on physical stress, and you also have a cycle of stress that occurs to allow you to actually have energy through the day, and when it decreases, you have less energy in the evening so you can sleep properly, so the right uh, chemicals are being produced that help for sleepiness to occur, right? So these things are all going on. It would be impossible for me to delve into everything about stress in this episode. So we are not going to do that. However, we are going to talk about it more in an umbrella and generic way so that you can actually get a generalized grasp on stress to help you understand a little bit more about what's going on in your life when you do feel stressed. I'll use a quick example in terms of when I mentioned it's probably stress, which is why I was speaking so fast earlier. Stress occurs when I'm in resistance to something. Okay, this is more mental stress. Now, physical stress, yes, it occurs in some form of resistance as well, right? So when I'm doing a bench press, I'm resisting the weight. There is physical stress. When I am doing a, say, podcast, and I 
want to get to the next sentence now, and I want to have this podcast episode short, I'm in resistance to the idea that it could be longer, and I'm in resistance to the idea that I'm not yet at the next sentence. So I speak fast, you see? So that's a form of stress that I feel based on that thought process of me needing to rush because I need to get it all out really quickly because maybe I feel more comfortable speaking fast because maybe when I was younger, um, that's how I felt more comfortable uh, filling all the space between sentences in order to make sure that I didn't have any space because that space is scary, right? That is stress. When, say, I, if I was to drop the camera that you guys are looking at me from, if you're watching this, or my microphone that you're listening to me through, right? These are expensive pieces of equipment. I will naturally feel a sense of stress because I'm in resistance to the reality that these things are cracked or broken. I don't like that. I feel resistance and therefore I feel stress. This stress, let's reverse engineer it, right? Um, I'll use one more example, actually. All right, let's just say uh, you really want your partner to tell you that they love you, and they don't. That will give you stress because the reality is not matching the expectation that is there within you, okay? So in other words, whenever I'm in resistance to the way things are or the way things could be or are going to be based on my thoughts of what they, what might occur, okay, this is purely based on speculation, right? A lot of it, and that's where we talk about anxiety and we'll speak about that in another episode. I will feel stress. So let's go through the response that's occurring in order for that stress to even occur. What I observe through my ability to perceive, which is coming from my lenses that I am experiencing the world through. And these lenses are my sensory organs being my eyes, my ears, my tongue, right, my skin, uh, and my nose. Okay, So the five sensory organs I'm experiencing the world through. This is the only way that I know the world outside of me. Because if I didn't have these, if I shut off all these sensory organs, it doesn't matter how active my consciousness is, I couldn't experience the world. Because this is the way that I'm experiencing the world. Like, because how could I know that something is cold or hot if I couldn't physically touch it with my skin and have the sensations of my skin, or rather of, um, like, signal the uh, nerve endings, right? And then those nerve endings then signal those nerves, or through those axons, if we want to get more specific, uh, to the brain to say, hey, this is a sensation that you're, that you're experiencing. It would send a little electrical signal to the brain. The brain will discern, oh, that is cold compared to the temperature of my skin, or oh, that is hot compared to the temperature of my skin. Right? This is how the brain gathers its information. So that's just an example. In any shape or form, I am, I am noticing something. I get that information. It goes into my good old noggin, my brain. My brain will then compare that information to the information it already has. So as an example, like I said, the cold hot, okay, it's comparing the information based on my skin temperature, right, based on my body temperature. So it's comparing it there to know whether it's cold or hot. Say I was colder, something that I previously thought was cold will no longer be cold because in comparison to now my body temperature, if it was really, really cold, I would experience it then as warm because there's comparison. That's how the brain operates. That's how the brain can understand and know. In order for me to then also discern what is good, um, it's going to compare everything to what is bad and vice versa, right? In order for me to uh, experience something that is really beautiful and joyful is because I've experienced something that doesn't feel very good and doesn't feel very nice. I therefore will know by comparison what is good. So that's why it's important to have these experiences as well, right? That's one, one reason. There's various other reasons. The brain will compare based on past experiences this current experience and it will discern whether this is good or bad. Based on that information, it will either give me a sense of motivation to get more of it 
or a sense of motivation to get away from it and have less of it, right? Now, this is, you know, we can talk more about the chemical reactions that are occurring at the deeper levels in the neurological sense more in another episode. But today, we're just going to speak more so, like I mentioned, in the generic way. This need to either go to wood or get away is that sort of plain pleasure response. And this is based purely on comparison, right? That's why you'll have people that will chase lightning storms and then people that will run away from it right <laughs> they'll get, they get pleasure from it that's why you have people that love olives over here in italy and i get away from them the moment i taste them my face turns into a, another animal's face <laughs> and i get as far away from those olives as i can right that is based on the comparison of what i know tastes good and tastes bad right based on um what i've tasted in the past uh, these and therefore that way my brain knows what's bitter and my brain knows what's sweet and so forth right this is yes there's the olfactory um, neurons in my tongue that they're giving me those understandings but the actual comparison is occurring in my brain to discern how salty or how sweet and so forth that is so when this happens if something is perceived as bad and not good based on the comparison that's occurring I will, f I will my brain will produce adrenaline and my body will produce cortisol making me feel stressed about it. This gives me the motivation to resolve the situation as soon as I can because the brain believes it's not good. This is where we're experiencing stress. Now, what normally happens is the brain will then look for the quickest route. By looking for the quickest route, it'll gather information based on what I've done in the past that's worked. Now, it doesn't mean that it's maybe been a good result, but it's been a result nonetheless that has gotten me away from the feeling. It will go for that. Example, addiction, right? Distractions such as drinking alcohol, smoking weed, cigarettes, um, uh, sex, pornography, right? These things are ways to get, for me to get away from that feeling. So I'm not focusing on the feeling, thinking about the feeling so that I will no longer uh, be in the actual challenge of that stress. So again, it's motivating me to get away from it. Another example is if, say, getting into a fight with my partner was how I resolved it, this sort of feeling in the past, then that's exactly what I'll react to, um, react by doing rather, in order to try solve it. So the point being is, whatever solution I've previously done best in the past, my brain, based on the way it's been conditioned, will go toward that most likely, or the thing that is most familiar with. So if we want to change that, we need to first understand stress and learn how to reverse engineer that. So when we actually look at stress, we can look at the fact of the buildup of stress occurring hormonally, neurologically, is occurring at the end point, and then we're reacting to those feelings. Now, if we reverse that all the way back to understand exactly why the stress response is occurring in the first place, it is based on the fact that I perceived it as not a good experience. So what if, and this is just a big what if, my experience and my expectation of the experience matched. I all of a sudden wouldn't experience this as a quote-unquote bad experience. All of a sudden, the cortisol and adrenaline response wouldn't occur the same way. All of a sudden, I wouldn't experience that feeling of stress. So if I was able to match my expectation to reality. Now that's not saying I'm, I'm telling you to get rid of your expectations, not that at all. What I'm actually inviting you to practice and to bring to mind and to see for yourself what would happen is if you were able to give yourself a broader perspective of the way things are, take a 30,000 foot view of the situation to ask yourself if this was the way things were always, would I still be stressed about the situation, right? Example, if, um, and this is an example that I actually got from a, um, someone that I learned a lot from, Alex Homozy, and he uses this example, it's a great example, he says, 
Um, if I'm stuck for 30 minutes in traffic when I'm normally for 15 minutes in traffic, I will feel stressed about the 30 minutes. But if, for example, I thought to myself, well, what if traffic always took one hour? All of a sudden, um, or rather, actually, I'll take that away. What if traffic was always 30 minutes? Always, always, always. It was always 30 minutes. This is just the way things were. My expectation would meet reality, and therefore, I wouldn't be stressed about it, right? And another example he used was the hour example I just shared, right? What if it was always an hour? Now, it's half an hour? Oh my goodness, that's, bl that's bliss. It is less time than it usually is, and therefore I feel fantastic about the thing that I previously was stressed about, right? That's, that's the framework that he talks about. Now, of course, it's very difficult to just implement that because you decide to, but the intention is practice, right? Practice means consistently trying until it becomes a little bit more of an easeful implementation and it starts to really click for you in a really um, experiential manner where you actually experience stress less. So I'd invite that you find ways that you can practice that isn't a sense of avoidance because avoidance doesn't actually resolve, but instead practicing different frameworks in moments that you feel stressed in ways that you can find a way to meet expectation, your actual expectation, to the reality that is experiencing because just because you expect it to be different doesn't automatically change it in the moment doesn't mean yes you'll get motivated to change it but it does mean that you'll react in a way that you previously reacted that probably isn't a good solution that will lead to regret later anyway so it's probably better to meet it with the expectation first find a state of calmness so you can observe the situation more calmly and more logically and then resolve it from that place and that's something that I've definitely had to learn through my experiences um, whether it's been through relationships or with work or with clients or with business or anything like that right social situations and it's definitely helped me along the way um, in uh, building the life that I have um, in the experience way and also the, the materialistic sense as well um, so definitely something I approve of personally and I'd love to invite that you give that a go we'll talk more about um, strategies to decrease the experience of stress more so um, and frameworks and so forth in later episodes but I really hope that this was insightful helpful uh, if it was uh, please go ahead and uh, share it with a friend or post it on Instagram or whatever, right? And uh, yeah, that would mean a lot. Um, it really, um, you know, help this podcast grow and help this um, information to reach others that feel that they would learn from it and do need it. So with that being said, love you guys. Speak to you soon and I'll see you in the next episode. Remember, you can uh, contact me on Instagram and uh, ask questions and um, give suggestions in terms of focus points for this podcast. See you next time.